and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So we do have a lot to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, even just as us as a church, like we've had some bumpy roads over the last couple of years between locations and buildings and not knowing where we're going to be and where we're going to be. And, you know, we are thankful that we're here in this space because we had nothing and then God provided an avenue for us. Um, but there are many other things, you know, that, are, that we can be thankful for in your own world, what God has done and how far you have come in the last few years and what He is doing in your world and the changes and the transformations that's taking place. Um, we're thankful for you being here. You know, how many of us here have been here like at least five years? I know I'm in that category now, how's that? I thought I'd never get there. But uh, who's been here like 10 years? Yeah, some of the older guys that have been around for a while are not here today, so I can't ask the next one because they're not here. How long have you been here for? Your whole life, right? 20-something years, 20-something years. So, so there you go. So that, they, yeah, we can be thankful that God has provided us with a place to grow and to become strong in and to be formed in. And, and there's so many things that God has done in our world that we can be thankful for as a church, as our individuals, as our families, with our kids. Um, you know, even some of the, the rocky roads that we've travelled on, we can be thankful for. Some of the difficult moments of my life, I'm now in hindsight thankful for those things because they've made me into a person that is way more empathetic, way more loving, way more you know, engaged in people's worlds, in my own world. And, and so I can be thankful for the things that went wrong as much as I can be thankful for the things that have been good. Um, because, you know, God uses all things to, to uh, transform our lives and to give us a sense of meaning and purpose. And, you know, today we're going to look at um, the way forward, the way forward. Because we can be very thankful for the things of the past. And God taught the Israelites to be thankful and remember the things of the past, but not to get stuck there, but to realise that those things are meant to be a reminder of what is to come and what God can do in our life. So uh, if you want to come with me to, to Joshua in chapter 3, verse 1, it will come up on the screen. And we will... Uh, have a little bit of a story here. So, so here we are. We find, out, find ourselves in the beginning of jo- the book of Joshua. And uh, Moses has, the leadership has passed over, right? Moses has died. Joshua has taken on the leadership of the, of the Israelites. And they reach the Jordan River. The Jordan River at this time is in flood. And uh, they've got a bit, of a bit of a problem because they've got to get to the other side. Um, so, you know, the Israelites were a little renowned for um, looking back to the past, they're a little bit known for the fact that they, they would continually look back and want to go back to where they came from. They thought, thought at one time it actually would be better to go back to Egypt um, because, you know, at least life was easier there. They knew what they were going to get. But the reality was God had something very different for them in the future. And like you and I, you know, we can live our lives looking back to the past, longing for the day, wanting our life to get back to what it was. Or we can realise that, you know, the reality is your life isn't going to get back there. Life has moved on. Things have changed. You're a different person now. And so we can then look, make a decision to lift up our eyes and look to the future. 
and realise that what God has for us is so much greater than what he's done in our world up until this day. That that our future is not behind us, but it's ahead of us. It's before us. And and God is calling us into this place. And this is where the Israelites found themselves. They'd had a transition to a new leader, which they hadn't 100% embraced yet. Um, and, and, and we see as you go on in this passage of Scripture, God endorses Joshua to be their leader and uh, solidifies that leadership through this journey. But, but here we find that they come to this river. They've come to this stage in life. They've come to this moment as a group of people that uh, God is starting to do something different. God has done, He's leading them into the promised land. He's taken them into a new space. They'd never been this way before, the Bible says. And so in uh, verse one, it says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, can you just, that, it's a bit tinny, mate. Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the, the officers went throughout the camp, giving the order to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have been, have never been this way before, keep uh, but keep a distance betw- uh, of about 2,000 cubits between the ark and yourselves and do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves to, uh, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took up the ark and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will bring, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all the Israelites so that... Uh, they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. So we see this story where they get to this point, they get to a river and, and, and Joshua's like, you know, telling the priests, they're getting told to pick up the ark at the right time and head off because God is going to lead them at the right time. God's going to reveal to them that there's a new direction that there's a new direction. They didn't know where they were going until the moment that God you know, inspired the, the priest to pick up the ark and start to walk. And then he said, then you will know where God is leading you. Then you will know the direction you're going, but it will not be a direction you've gone before. It will not be a way you've gone before. See, I believe God's leading us into new ways new directions, new things. And, and, and we can think, well, you know, for the Israelites, they, they were led in a new direction, but that direction was into a flooded river. And on the other side of the flooded river, there was a place called Jericho. And Jericho was one of the most fortified cities in that region. They, were, they had walls so high, so thick, they, you know, some scholars said they would race chariots on the walls of Jericho. Jericho was a place that was not to be messed with. It was one big giant opposition before them. And you can wonder, but think, well, why did God lead them in a direction that there was opposition? Why did God lead them in a direction that had uh, a blockage before them? Why, why would he tell them to go through a flooding river? And maybe the reason he did that is because back earlier, Moses had stood with his staff and split the Red Sea. And maybe, just maybe these guys remembered the story or maybe they were even there, some of them, I don't know, but maybe they remembered the story of the time Moses stood up and split the waters so they could cross on dry ground. 
And maybe there was a, a remembering back to the good things that God had done that empowered their future for where God was taking them. See, because we can look at life and go, well, life is hard. Things are tough. There's blockages, there's opposition, and I've got stuff going on, Dave. Uh, how can this be God? And the reality is the circumstance themselves probably are not God. Because we know that God is, you know, He doesn't create sickness in our world. He doesn't create all these big problems in our world. But there is a thing, God will use those things to lead us and to grow us as a person. And so we see the Israelites come to the water and it's flooded, it's opposition. And, and what they had to realise is what God has for them was on the other side of their blockage. It was on the other side of the impossibility. It was on the other side of the struggle. It was on the other side of that sickness. It was on the other side of that, uh, of that worry, that anxiety, that fear, that depression, that, that, that unknowing of the future. What God had for them was actually on the other side. And we have to be willing as Christians to realise that even Jesus had moments where He would go to the other side. He would be in one place and he would do great miracles and it was fantastic and amazing. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, you go, right, we're done. Let's get on the boat and let's go to the other side. And we have to be willing to be other side Christians, other side Christians to follow where God is going to lead us. The disciples had to be willing to follow Jesus wherever he went. And if that meant they had to get into a boat to go to another side of the lake, even though there was great things happening over here. Because often we can go, but God, look how amazing this is. Look how amazing this past is. Look how amazing, look what you've done, Lord. And it's never, hardly ever when things aren't happening anymore that God decides to move. He often decides to move when things are good. When we think, wow, why would God want to leave this moment? Look at the people that are getting touched. Look at the people that are getting saved. And God goes, okay, it's time to move on. And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't attach ourselves to the miracles or, or the goodness that's there or, or what has been great and, and then miss the opportunity for where God wants, to, wants us to go and what He wants us to do and where He wants to lead us. Because there are some great things ahead of us, but for us to be able to step into those things we have to be willing to detach from the past. We have to be willing to let go of what was. And, and I'm telling you, it's always the good stuff he wants us to let go of. There's always something good. And he goes, that's great for that season. It was fantastic. But now we're going to do a new thing. And in Isaiah uh, 43, 18, it says, See, I am doing a new thing, says the Lord. And I wonder what new thing God is doing in your world right now. Maybe you haven't realised that God is doing a new thing. Maybe you've been so preoccupied with the struggle or the blockage in your world or the, the circumstance you're going through that you haven't managed to see just what's over the horizon, just what's on the other side. What, what, what currently... is before you that you're not seeing because circumstance have consumed our vision, consumed our ability to see what God wants us to see. So we see that these Israelites have a new way forward. 
It was similar in some parts of the past when Moses took them across the Red Sea, but it was different entirely because they weren't just wandering in a desert anymore. They had done their time in the struggle. They'd done their time stuck in the desert. Now was the moment that God was going to open the pathway for the promised land for them. But it is interesting that that pathway was not a walk in the park. It wasn't just like an easy stroll into the promised land to get the milk and the honey. There was some giants before them. There was some blockages they had to go through. There was some challenges they had to face. One, they had to get over that river. They had to get across that river. And the next thing they had to do is they had to overcome Jericho. Because when they got over the river, the first thing they faced was Jericho. But yet it was still the right direction. And for all of us, no matter what we're going through, we have to believe that God is leading us in the right direction. That God is taking us to destination. There's something good ahead, even though there's some blockages in front of us. And will we push in and pursue him enough to realise that these blockages, some of these things, you know what, they're just distractions trying to draw you away from the goodness and the direction and the purpose of God for your life. What if what is blocking you right now is the right way to go? Through the valley instead of around it. Often we want to go around a circumstance. We look for a way around something. But when we look in the Word, we often see God leading people through something. He took David through the valley of the shadow of death. David didn't go around it. He took Ezekiel into the valley of the dry bones. He had to have the valley experience. For whatever reason, God had made up his mind that Ezekiel was going to have a dry bones valley moment where everything looked destroyed, everything looked dead. And it was in that very spot of destruction, it was in that very spot of dead bones on the ground, God says to Ezekiel, do you believe that these bones can live? Do you believe that this situation can be transformed? And he says, well, Lord, only you know. And he says, Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy breath into them, prophesy life into them. And so he did. And what took place? The bones came together. The Bible says a rattling sound. Ligaments came on. They were formed back into a vast army as God breathed life back into that situation. David said, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So you might be in a valley right now, but you're not in the valley alone. God is leading you through the valley. He did not set up a tent in the valley. Ezekiel didn't set up a tent in the valley. He journeyed through. He didn't get to go around it. I'm sure David would have loved to get around the valley of the shadow of death. I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to go through that situation. I'm sure Ezekiel would have loved to get around the valley, but for some whatever reason, they went through the valley. And just the same with you and I, whatever reason right now, God is right in the middle of a valley, but it's the best place you could be. Because what's going to come out of this situation is going to change who you are as a person 
and it's going to instill trust and faith in God in a way that you've never experienced before. Did God create the problem? No, He didn't. Is He leveraging it? Yes, He is. Because He knows you have what it takes to get through the situation and come out the other side. He knows you have. He's put everything you need within you to be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's given you everything that you need. The Bible says faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. That if you will believe, you will receive everything you ask for in prayer. What does that mean? The word that stands out there is the if. If's the pivotal word in that scripture. If you will believe, why? Because that implies choice. I must choose to believe that my God is able to do immeasurably more than I can think, imagine or ask. That in Christ, all things are possible for him who believes. Nothing's impossible for my God. I was talking to someone just yesterday on the phone, ring me out of the blue. I haven't seen him in 30 years. Picks up the phone and says, hey, Dave. I said, hey, how are you going? He says, oh, to be honest, not really good. I said, really, what's going on? He goes, well, you know, like my marriage has fallen apart and I'm drinking too much and I'm smoking too much. And he goes, I don't know what to do with my life. 30 years, hadn't heard from the guy. Picks up the phone, he goes, I'm lost, I need help. And I just thought I'd ring you. I'm like, wow. There's no way forward, but God provides a way. That way was in the form of me. And I'm going to meet with him and we're going to sit and we're going to chat and I'm going to pretty much just tell him about Jesus because that's all I got, right? That's all I got. That's how my life got transformed. But he needs a new way forward. And he's in the middle of a mess, but it's in the middle of the mess that God moves, right? When we're on the mountaintop, that's where we want to live. I always just want to live on the mountaintop. Mountaintop's amazing. But God does more in the valley than he ever does on the mountaintop. And he knows he doesn't let us live on the mountaintop. We don't pitch a tent up there either. Because he knows if we were just to pitch a tent up there, we'd just become lazy, sloth Christians that do nothing. But just amazing. So we have these moments and these experiences in life where life falls apart. But it's actually in those moments where life finds meaning. For me, it was in the deepest, darkest pit of depression where I found Christ. I never found him out when I was wild living. I found him when life meant nothing. When I, had no, I felt like I had no future. I felt like everything was falling apart. So you may be going through something right now. In my heart, I, I feel for you. But find Christ in the, in, in the chaos. Look for God there because He's there. He's in that moment. You know, we, even in this story, they come to this flooding river. Joshua tells the priests, God says to Joshua, tell the priests to go and stand in the river. So they go to the river. The river is in flood. They're carrying the ark on their shoulders 
And instantly as they put one foot in the river, the water builds up on one side and flows away on the other. And then God says to them, go and stand in the middle of the river while everybody passes by on dry ground. That stood out to me, on dry ground. I was thinking, isn't that amazing? It's not like God just stopped the water, but the ground was dry. Here's a river that's flown for who knows how long. God parts the water to the point where he sucks the water out of the dirt and it's dry ground. They're walking over on dry ground and they get to the other side and what they do is they gather some stones out of the river. God gets 12 people and says, go pick up a stone each. So they pick up a stone out of the middle of the river on dry ground. They walk out and where they stayed the first, to- first night, Joshua takes those stones and he builds them together. He puts them together and it becomes a memorial, a place of remembrance. And it actually says that this will be established for your children because they will come by and they'll ask, why are these stones here? And you will have an opportunity, he says, to tell them just about how good God is and what he did to deliver you out of Egypt. Do you realise everything that God has done, every miracle, every breakthrough, every transformation, every answer to prayer is a stone that is built in our life as a, as a, as a witness to the goodness and faithfulness of God for our children and their children's children. These stones were erected and left for generations. Generations. I was interesting because I thought, well, they left it right near the river, right? But they were going further into the promised land. Why would you leave the stones there? And I think it's because we have a habit or or we have a, a tendency as humans to return back to something and look back. And now when we look back, God has put a, put a remembrance pillar there to say, remember, remember how far I've brought you. What is in the past is not what I've got for your future. So we see a new way forward. We see a new way forward. We also see a fresh new consecration. So it says, Joshua says to him, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. See, this year is a year where we need to be consecrated to God. We need to continually come back to Him. Consecration is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. It's coming back to God, coming before God and saying, God, I just come back before you again today and I consecrate my life to you. To consecrate your life is basically just to recommit your life to Him, to come back to Him again, recommit your life to Him, cleanse the things out of your life that are not of God. Push them aside, get rid of them, repent, clear the decks if you like, so you can start the year fresh. And I believe like God wants us to start the year fresh with Him, a fresh commitment, a fresh consecration, where we, we, we get the beginning of the year, we get it right from here. You know, we've been talking about foundations up to this week, talking about how important it is to have foundations in our world of the Word and prayer and worship. But I can tell you right now, this foundation is probably the most important foundation to have our lives recommitted and consecrated to Christ and saying, Lord, I give this year to You. 
No matter what my plans are, no matter what ideas I may have and what direction I feel like I might go, Lord, I lay it all down. I bring it all before You on the altar and I say, Lord, have Your way. Your will be done. You you make Your will come to pass, Lord, in my life. If that means that I need to let go of some, some things I believe might be good for me, then Lord, let it be. If that means that I have to lay down a vision or a dream that maybe I have to fulfil your dream, Lord, then let it be. Because, because Lord, all I want to know is that I'm living for you before anything else. For some of us, it's taken our marriage and laying it on the altar of God and saying, God, we, we give our marriage to you. This year, you have control. Lord, there are things in this marriage that are not working. There are things in our relationship that are broken. But God, we bring all that mess. We bring all that brokenness. We bring all that destruction. Lord, we just lay it before You and we give it to You to do what only You can do, which is transform the situation. Lord, the sickness that's in my body, Father, I bring it to You again. And I lay it down at the throne of God and I say, God, Lord, do what only you can do in that situation. I can't make anything change, but he can make everything change. So a fresh new consecration, great depths of spiritual formation. One thing we're going to focus on this year is spiritual formation forming us on the inside. For some of us, maybe there's some some things that we haven't had formed right in us. I know when I've been going down this journey, it's sort of like God leading me back and re-establishing some stuff in the past because there was some things in my early Christian days that I didn't get taught or I didn't understand or or I didn't, didn't unravel and unfold, so I didn't understand it. And I kind of moved on as a Christian and I've done all this great stuff, but there's some things in my past that need to be fixed up in my relationship with God so that I understand how to communicate with Him and, and be with Him and, and enjoy His presence and, and sit with Him. And you know, like there's so much the world is robbing us of, keeping us busy and running around in circles so we don't have time to spend with God. But what if this year is a year where we reestablish the relationship? We push aside our agenda and we allocate God the space He needs and deserves and then put our life around that. I wonder what life would look like if we did that. A new consecration, new rhythms of devotion, a year of establishing greater depths of formation in our lives. Start the year with a renewed commitment to God. What if we went from just following Jesus and evolved into becoming like Jesus? What if we went from just following Jesus and moved into doing what Jesus did? What if the vision that we have actually becomes who we are to follow, become and do, to follow Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did? What if that was the hallmark of our life this year that every time God asked us to do something, we said yes. No matter how big or small or great or insignificant it may be. What a great year that would be. Fresh in Acts 2.42, 
It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to prayer, to breaking of bread, to meeting together. This is what the consecration looked like. They continued to meet together. They continued to break bread together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. And that was their life. It was simple. It was not complicated. It was a simple Christian life of prayer, devotion, communion, fellowship, connection. Why? Because every single one of us needs community. God does a lot within the body of community that he pulls together. We are his church in this location, in this space. Yes, there's another one down the road. They're the church as well. But in community, life finds meaning. In community, life finds purpose. And so together, we do this together. Why? Because there is a community broader outside that needs the power and presence of God that together we can reach more than we'll ever do alone. But it's going to take new depths of consecration, a new recommitment to God to say, I I give you this year, Lord. I give you everything that's going on, no matter what it is. And that will lead to a new move of God. When they came to Jericho, God moved powerfully. When Joshua and the Israelites came to Jericho, they come across the river, Jordan River, Their very next stop was Jericho. And in that moment, God moved powerfully on their behalf as they did what God asked them to do. They did the journey around the city, you know the story, round and round and round. And it was at a shout, the walls fell down. They didn't get out a pick and a hammer and start chipping away at the walls. God said, just shout. The shout of victory the shout of trusting in God, the shout of faith and and, and belief that God is able and if he's promised he will do it was enough to bring down the opposition that was before them. How powerful is that? Why? Because God, it's simple. It's not difficult. God does things, he's quite simple in how he does things. If we just follow his word, he will do it on our behalf. It doesn't, it's not a promise to say everything's going to work out the way we want. Because sometimes we want things and God goes, but that's not good for you. Sometimes we desire things and God goes, that's not a desire from me. So no, that's not going to work out that way. But we can trust that God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Our problem is is how we interpret the word good because good goes to exactly how I've envisioned this situation to work out. And God goes, no, 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 there's a greater purpose here than just what you want. Sometimes we do get what we want. Sometimes what we do envision comes to pass. Other times there's a greater purpose and reason for God to allow things or do things in a certain way. But we've got to trust that if God's Word says that He works things for good for us, then goodness will come out of that situation. 
just like the Israelites. They were promised the promised land. They were shown how amazing it was going to be. But yet they had to face these oppositions. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.